good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes, but, well, might have some questions. You know what that means? It's me. <laughs> I've got a lot of questions. There's a lot I don't understand, although I do believe. Not necessarily soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather getting into a deep theological chapter and verse discussion, sometimes just a casual front porch style talk with a pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest, Bill Swirla of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time during the program to letstalk at kfuo.org. Or you can call in if you're in the St. Louis area, and that includes Metro East. Call at 314-821-0850. Or anywhere in North America, actually in the lower 48, I don't think it's true for Canada. Call us at 1-800-730-2727. Joining me today... Bill Swirlo, welcome to the porch. Hey, Kip, good to be back. Oh, well, you know, fall has finally arrived here. The temperature suddenly... Has? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good, you good Californians, I know. But looking out my window, I have, feels like the heat of summer here. Yeah. You know, the temperature is in the 50s and 60s. It's Ooh, graying nice. over. Uh, the leaves are starting to turn. And we might actually, might actually get some snow next week. Oh, and you know, they, I was looking at the calendar, and you know, guess what? It's guess what day? It's it's uh, the snow might hit us. We were up on the uh, Olympic Peninsula in Washington last week on a little vacation, and there was snow in the mountains and beautiful, beautiful fall color, kind of mm. uh, contrasting against the evergreen trees. Really, really pretty. I mean, it 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 rivaled some of our leaf peeping trips in the in New England. It's that that beautiful, but. Yeah, it was it was fall there, but it's heat of summer down here. Yeah, now the leaves have just started to turn here. I think it'd be about two weeks before we really get the uh, the color explosion. But it's 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 nice. Well, you know, it's fall when Halloween is just around. The yes, corner, right? it is, <laughs> and that is actually supposed to be the first day we might get some snow. But oh, snow on Halloween! Yeah. Right? All the, all, everybody's decorating their, you know, Halloween is kind of taken over from Christmas. It's the big community. It's the big community holiday. Oh, it now, very you much know. is. You know, you know the, the, uh, I was reading uh, that the, uh, ho- the decorations, home decorations, only Christmas exceeds the, uh, uh, exceeds, uh, Halloween for purchases of home decorations. I see some incredible ones when I'm driving into work in the morning. Yeah, well, you know, uh, there are some households around in our neighborhood that seem to have two sets. So uh, beginning of October, you see the Halloween decorations go up, and they they kind of have a parallelism to Christmas. You know, they got lights, they got inflatable mm-hmm. pumpkins, they got all kinds of goblins, or, or they do the graveyard scene on the front, uh, the front lawn, so they turn their front lawn into... In an old school <laughs> graveyard kind of thing. So oh yeah, there's that thing going. Uh, of course, we have a big Mexican population, so the Day of the Dead coincides with that. So you got all that going on. Oh, uh, Dia, uh, uh, Dia de Muertos. Yes, yeah. No, no sacrifice. <laughs> We're not, not, not going down that route. It's kind of like, like all things, you know, all things pagan. You just kind of turn <laughs> it fun. You know, this is kind of this what, what happens when the when the the pagan religions die. You just keep the fun stuff. Well, uh, now that's so. that's actually what I want to get into here, and and I'm going to say something that is, might get me in trouble with some of my fellow Lutherans. Oh, well. <laughs> 
I thought that was just having me on your show. <laughs> well, that's a danger too, Bill. That is. You <laughs> right. never know. But so you're gonna you're gonna do it this time. So yeah, I'm gonna do for, it. Do tell what 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 are you going to say? I like. Halloween. You like how? Do you decorate your house? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, there's one thing I haven't done this yet, but uh, I'm, what I, I want to do the is color get these. Orange. Yeah, See, no, this is even orange. better. My plan is I want to get these uh, sort of like a round light, uh-huh. one of these red lights, and then paint it so it looks like it's just the the vertical slit iris. And I'm going to put it in the window, and it looks like there's this beast looking out. <laughs> so you're into freaking out the neighborhood kids. <laughs> well, let me tell you. My, that could be fun. Yeah, well, my dad uh, my dad loved Halloween. Mm. And uh, when I was a kid, we lived in this one house that had a uh, uh, an intercom system out to the front door. And dad <laughs> found this horrible... <laughs> Horrible Polynesian war mask, and he put it over the uh, intercom. You know, and I mentioned, you know, my dad was a TV news anchor, this deep, booming (laughs) voice. And the little kids would come by, ding dong. Dad would run up to the intercom, yes. Nice, nice. Trick or treat. The the tiki house at uh, Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it got even better. That's really The kids would go, trick or treat. And dad would go, uh, uh, if I give you candy, will you give me the fat one? <laughs> oh, there was sacrifice involved. <laughs> I think I did this about twice before my mother jumped in. <laughs> she was she was terrified that the neighbors would come after us with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> but but that was dead. <laughs> but be that as it may, as I say. Yeah. I like Halloween. It's fun for me. I enjoy it. I just get a kick out of it. I have some some great memories. But, you know, a lot of Christians and a lot of Lutherans say this is a no-no. Yeah. So why is this? I've heard both. There's a, I have an article that will, if you if you follow Facebook or if you kind of are on the Internet, you'll see it resurface. I wrote it years ago, and I think it, it kind of takes your take on, on this, that uh, Halloween's fun, and um, sometimes the best way to deal with these things that are frightening and out of our control, like the devil mm-hmm. and evil and the... the forces of darkness in the spiritual realm, you know, the powers and the principalities and the rulers of the air, as Paul puts it. You know, I mean, these are, <laughs> this is outside of our toolbox, okay, except for the word of God and prayer. <laughs> and so, you know, um, sometimes the way to deal with the frightening things is to make fun of them. And, uh, and and I think that's what a lot of that stuff is. It's just making sport of the devil who has lost you know christ has conquered christ is victorious one little word can fell him um but you know so and that was the gist of my my article was was yeah just don't don't take this too seriously here because (laughs) well billy got a caller here the devil too much do we got a a caller here i want to get his take on this caller a caller also by the name of bill from st louis go for it welcome Hi, uh, I have a question, and it may be silly, but uh, it was something that occurred to me. In baptism, I am a child of God. I become a child of God. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with the second person being Jesus, the Son of the Father, uh, how can I become a child of God and not disrupt 
the Trinity. I know that I'm um, a mortal human being, that I don't become part of God, but um, can you explain the dichotomy between my becoming a child of God, but the Trinity includes Jesus, who is the Son of God? Good question. What do you think, Bill? <laughs> I thought we were talking about Halloween. Well, right, I was so too. But you know, the so they... shift to yeah. Trinitarian doctrine and baptism. It, it is a good question. You know, when when uh, the scriptures refer to believers as children of God, like John chapter one, to those who believe on His name, He's given the authority to uh, be called the children of God, uh, not by their choice, not by natural birth, but by God Himself. Um, there, the scripture speaks two ways of that. One, one is, is baptism as a rebirth, a second birth, a spirit born of spirit, uh, a birth from above, John chapter 3. Uh, so, so there's one way of looking at baptism as a rebirth. So we were born first of Adam, and that is conceived and born of a father and a mother. And then we are spiritually born a second time of water and spirit by the word, uh, and through the agency of the church, Holy Mother Church, so it's our second birth. So it's 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 a spiritual birth from above. Another way of looking at it is is by adoption. So that's kind of a legal metaphor. And so in the Roman world, when a slave was adopted, he was declared to be a son by adoption and achieved the full right of son. And that's what Paul refers to in Galatians uh, when he talks about uh, we we having received the spirit of adoption. And so you can look at uh, us as children of God in two ways. One is, uh, spiritually speaking, by our spiritual birth of the Spirit and the Word working through the water in baptism, or by adoption, that is, by God naming and claiming us as his adopted children. Now, we don't become God. And so we don't interfere with the Godhead, so to speak. And in fact, the fullness of the Godhead, all three persons, is involved in our adoption or our rebirth, namely Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We become children of the Heavenly Father. We are united with Christ in his death and resurrection as our brother. And uh, we receive the gift of the Spirit um, by whom we have life in Christ. But we, we don't become God. We, become un- we are united with him or we're in union with the trinity and so we don't disrupt the it's impossible for us to disrupt the trinity although the the trinity can massively disrupt us so uh, (laughs) so we're we're granted a new identity um a new way of relating to god a new status before god uh but uh, god hasn't changed and uh, we are uh now on the way of becoming who we are in christ so well, in my congregation, for example, during the uh, announcements at the end of the service is we will recognize everyone's birthday that, that day or that week, but also their rebirth day, their yeah. rebirth day, the day of the, the baptism. Yeah, and, and you know, the, that's, that's to use the scriptural way of speaking of baptism, both as, as spiritual rebirth or rebirth. I shouldn't say spiritual rebirth. It's, it's a second birth of water and spirit, to use the language of John. Or it's um, an adoption, a legal adoption, where the the one who was a slave has now become a son. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could we go back to Halloween? Yeah, let's go back to Halloween. <laughs> Halloween! <laughs> okay. um, now, you know, why, all, Halloween. why will I get criticized uh, for saying is, I like it? 
Halloween is the Christian name of the day, by the way, which a lot of people don't think about. But All Hallows' Eve? All Hallows' Eve, Hallows being saints, and Eve being like Christmas Eve, the evening before. And so it's the evening before All Saints' Day, November 1st. Uh, also happened to be you know, October 31st, the day that uh, Martin Luther uh, posted 95 Theses on the church door of Woodburg. So it has that significance to unrelated to anything else. <laughs> I, I don't think he chose that. Hey, it's Halloween. I'm going to nail some theses to a door. Um, I, it's just I think that's a coincidence. But uh, but it is the eve of All Saints Day. And then there's a second day that's kind of coupled to it since the year about 1000 or so. And that's November 2nd is All Souls Day. So what's the difference, you ask? Uh, All Saints Day... Uh, it reflects upon the saints and martyrs of the church in in its history, um, kind of like the Hall of Fame. You know, like baseball's got a Hall of Fame, church has a Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and you know, in in very full sanctorial calendars, uh, that means uh, calendars with lots of saints' days on them. Uh, you know, there's only like 365 days, and there are a lot more saints than there are days. So this is a this is a way to pile them all in. So we get the rest of them in there. So that's All Saints Day. All Souls Day is is a reflection of our of the faithful departed. That is the our loved ones who have fallen asleep in the Lord. And so actually, the the day that we we remember uh, with Thanksgiving. Our uh, departed faithful is November second, All Souls Day. But uh, that was a, that was a later one. That was those uh, those created in one thousand A.D. Uh, probably in recognition of the conversion of the Celtic people. You know, they were really. I think the Celts were kind of the inventors of this thing. Uh, you know, and they they predate Christianity, and and so you know they they had they had this festival. I looked it up. It's it's called Samhain or something. Oh yeah, like right, that. right, right, right. Yeah, and they they lit bonfires and they dressed up in costumes and they did dances to ward off the ghosts and the goblins that were wrecking the crops. And so uh, you know it was kind of a way of dealing with that 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 uh, that other world, that spiritual world, the forces of darkness, and and so they did it through ritual and. Use of bonfires, and so yeah, bonfires are part of you know at least out in the country is a part of uh, Halloween uh, festivals and things like that. Um, but I think I think the um, that kind of got fused together a little bit more when the Celts were converted. So we had All Souls Day. Got to give the Celts something to do, <laughs> and you know it's a general kind of principle. The church the church has always been kind of smart about this. Is you take the old paganisms. And you invest Christian meaning in them. Yeah, every pastor knows this. It's a lot easier just to change something than to get rid of it entirely. Mm. Now you got to be careful because the old paganism's got to actually be like dead, dead. It can't be living. If it's still alive, then you end up in syncretism where you're trying to blend religions, and that never goes anywhere good. But if it's if it's dead. Like you know, some of the old practices of bringing a tree into your house in the middle of winter. If if the the paganism is dead and centuries dead, then you can invest it with any sort of meaning you want. Well, maybe and, that's the uh, problem with with Halloween at this point, because uh, you know, Wiccans uh, Wiccans are still very much around. In fact, uh-huh. I have a good friend who's a Wiccan. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, you're just just just. 
flirting with the darkness here. You have a good friend who's a wicked. I do, and I'm hoping that she will see the light and become a Christian one of these days. But but she's very much into the idea that being... the the thirty first and I forgot the word that you used I forgot what it is for the for the celebration but she's very much into that and supposedly that that Samhain? is the yeah 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 and, well they kind of pick up on those old Celtic paganism oh yeah you and, know and, 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 and that was very tied to nature and very tied to the the spiritual world especially the the dark part of the spiritual world. Yeah. And the idea being that Halloween is supposed to be the one day of the year where the the line between this world and the next is is very close. Exactly. The, the that line between the spiritual and material world it gets blurry and and therefore it's threatening. Now here's here's my take. You know, the strategy of the devil he, he goes one of two ways it seems. And one is to make himself very fearful. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, right? See, mm-hmm. so Luther believed that, and, and the medieval man believed that, that behind uh, even a sneeze, there was demons, okay? And so behind every illness, under every rock, everything was, was just, the world was saturated with the demonic realm. And, and, you know, we were kind of in the middle of this this great sort of cosmic tug of war between God and the devil, and uh, you know you gotta you gotta have Christ on your side and 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 that kind of thing. So in in that kind of world, you're very much um, the devil is a very real part of your daily life, you know. And and Luther would speak in those terms that the devil was plaguing him, you know. He would say, you know, you know, we might say he's suffering from clinical depression we might say that he's overworked doesn't get enough sleep needs to get some diet get a, get a good diet and exercise and he'd feel a lot better but but luther was very keenly aware of the the spiritual struggle uh going on and so for him uh the devil is very frightening and um and so one of the devil's strategies where he's where he is feared he makes himself even more fearful so I think that's why in certain areas like in Haiti and, and you know, other places that are really, really big into, into the spiritualist stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you see, or I have, I have not seen personally, but you hear stories of just manifestations of, of you know, stuff that would make Hollywood, scare the daylights out of Hollywood, okay? <laughs> and, and, and I think this stuff is real. And, and I think that's, that's a great strategy. If they're afraid of the devil, if, if, if people are afraid of the devil, he becomes even more fearful. Because, because see, now he's drawn attention. He's, he's got their attention. He's got their focus. He's in the center. Um, now we're at the opposite end of the spectrum. Is that he is barely acknowledged, mostly laughed at, and and basically just considered uh, a, a kind of a dinosaur superstition. You know, we're more sophisticated than yeah, that. Yeah, I wouldn't go quite that far. I... Well, you know, I I kind of like put articulated it as most of the things uh, we find a medical, genetic, hormonal explanation for. We don't even go down the spiritual realm. And and but as a result, you see what he does then is he makes himself even less threatening. <laughs> it's a great strategy. Is oh you know I'm I'm the funny little guy in the red suit with the pitchfork, you know, and uh, so we have to be careful um, in in this kind of strategy of deception that we don't actually play into the hand that's being played against us. So yeah. 
and he is out there, and he is dangerous. But, As your Wiccan friend would uh, be. Would, <laughs> but she's very clear on there's a difference between Wiccanism but, and her band, her band of uh, Wiccan and Satanism. I'm, I'm not yes. sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. And, and, and good good magic and bad. Yeah, and, quite, and, quite and, witches. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, here's the thing is, is that uh, if, if, if the spirit is not of Christ, then it's not holy, no matter how mm-hmm. white or good it might appear, you know, and, yeah. and so this is all very deceptive and, you know, and that's the, that's the, that's the devil's only real weapon is deception and a lie, but how you play the lie depends on what context, you know, what table are you sitting at? See? And so if you're sitting at a table where everybody's afraid of the devil, then you really become fearful. If you're sitting at a table where nobody takes you seriously, you become the joker. You know, it's just 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 a, you know, just just a funny thing and whatnot. So we have to be kind of careful. And I, I think we're seeing kind of a resurgence of an interest in, in that unvarnished evil, too. Well, I think also... Um, and, it, and it may have been Luther who said this, that laughter is one of our strongest weapons against Satan. Yeah, Luther also said passing gas was, too. So. <laughs> okay. He did. He, I know he, he did. He, he I was going to be delicate, though, and not mention the it. Devil and, and, he's, and, he's, and he'd say, there, devil, you know, now you have something else to accuse me of before God. So <laughs> well, I guess Katie must not have liked it, yeah. but wives don't like when but, that, so. but what I was thinking of is that <laughs> you had to put that, that thought in my mind, Bill. Uh, yeah, see, now... <laughs> You did. Once heard, cannot be unheard. <laughs> well, what I was thinking is what we have done, we Christians and society as general, is we have taken what had started out as a pagan celebration, perhaps with very dark links, and made it fun. We've turned, we've laughed at it. We've turned this thing all on its table. This is a thing for children to enjoy. And who is more innocent in our society than children? And they go around, they have great times, they dress up in costumes, and they laugh, and they laugh, and they laugh, and we do too. And yeah, I, I, I just think, you know, Satan is just cringing every time a little kid comes in and goes, trick or treat! Yeah, I don't know that he's cringing. I, I don't, I'm not saying that, that therefore it's bad. I'm, I'm, Here's what I think has happened, okay? When when you believe nothing, which by and large most of our culture believes nothing, um, then everything becomes kind of a game. It becomes a silly game. It becomes just an occasion for dress-up, cosplay, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's what Halloween really is. I mean, I see very little of the witches, goblins, and gremlins uh, side of Halloween, um, you know, yeah, jack-o'-lantern, like that's going to scare, that won't even scare off the deer in the backyard. Okay? <laughs> you got to drive down the street to my, you're going to work thing, here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's not going to work. But, but, uh, um, but I think what happens is, you know, when, when the symbol is devoid of its meaning, it becomes a plaything. Let's put it that way. Okay. And that can happen to anything, including our sacred symbols. So we've got to be kind of careful about that. Mm. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's intentionality behind it. Hey, we're mocking the devil. No, it could mean we don't believe any of this stuff. You know, that all that stuff, whether it's Christ or the devil, that's just all make-believe. And, and so we're just having fun with the vestiges of the symbols. So, so it could go there. I do agree with you that we've kind of picked it up out of the trash 
and we've turned it into a fun community holiday that everybody can agree on. Because these days, nobody can agree on Christmas. That's a trigger word for, oh. like, half the population. And and But Halloween, everybody can buy into that at some level. If nothing else, just getting dressed up in a costume. And, hey, think about this. I'm going to say something that will tick off the rest of your listeners. Oh, good. This is the one day that straights and gays are all on the same page. Because I'm telling you, West Hollywood, Halloween is huge. <laughs> because, the, you know, it's just a big dress-up party. So <laughs> think about it. We're just all in it together. <laughs> So it's a great least common denominator unifying thing. You can't even do Fourth of July in a unifying way because, you know, three quarters of my neighbors actually aren't citizens, so they don't care. And, and, you know, the other half are agonizing over the political correctness of the revolution and whatnot. So so all the fun's been sucked out of Fourth of July except for blown off fireworks. But Halloween, (laughs) it's just pure, pure fun. You know, you get to, like, threaten the neighbors if they don't give you candy. And, you know, four out of five dentists recommend it because, <laughs> hey, this this pays for their yacht. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud here. Okay? Yeah. It, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it, it's a community builder, you know, in, in some sense. It, it's probably one of the few times... We knock on our neighbor's door anymore. Now, obviously, we're dry, we're we're in costumes, so we don't know who they are. But mm-hmm. but nonetheless, I mean, how often do we? It, in my neighborhood, we never go door to door. Now, I have to confess something. I'm a non-participant, not because I object, but because I'm lazy. <laughs> um, so we have a convention in our neighborhood that if the porch light is out, we do not participate. Mm-hmm. See, so they skip we do the, most, we the same thing in my neighborhood. Most skip over. A few don't take a hint. But, you know, it's like the, the only reason is I don't want to be bothered. I, You know, I'm like that Clint Eastwood neighbor, you know, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Yeah, the older it. I get, the more I get like that. Okay? See, I'm just saying. But uh, I don't have a, an ideological, philosophical, theological objection to Halloween. It's the trick-or-treating stuff and that. You know, that's perfectly fine. I just I just don't feel like buying all that candy and and having to jump up out of my easy chair every five minutes. <laughs> well, that's true, but then look at it this way. Candy. You might have some candy left over. <laughs> I've been thinking of just leaving a big barrel out there. Just go take some. Be nice. Okay. Well, we got <laughs> to... off my lawn. Stay off my lawn. That's 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 the main thing. Don't go on the lawn. Achtung, meinen. So I'm afraid I... <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to take a little break here, so I'm going to go and trick and treat right now, and we'll be back in about three or four minutes. what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio. I want to say that I'm very happy that you're on the air. Your theology is excellent. Let's, I've been a member of the LCMS for about 18, 19 years, and I still have to get hit up on the side of the head with the gospel. <laughs> it's a never-ending battle, but thank you for being there. Lord bless you to you. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. 
Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. And the stage is set for the opening of the 1965 World Series. Fans assumed superstar Sandy Koufax would take the mound as starting pitcher in game one of the 1965 World Series on Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. But Koufax told his Dodger manager he would not be available. I had taken Yom Kippur off for 10 years and Rosh Hashanah for 10 years before that. It's just something I'd always done out of respect. A command in Leviticus 23:32. It is a Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourself, sending an important message to the Jewish community. The Dodgers lost both Game 1 and Game 2, but when they came back to Minneapolis, where Koufax had sat out, he had a complete game shutout. The Dodgers won and clinched the title, winning Koufax World Series MVP for the second time in his career. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Let's Talk, the Pastors Inn. I'm talking to Pastor Bill Swirla with the Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. And we've been talking about Halloween. If you want to join the conversation in the St. Louis area, the number is 314-821-0850. Or in the lower 48, toll free, 1-800-730-2727. Okay, Bill, let's get back to Halloween here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it, it seems, and these are all sort of speculative, I suppose, but it, it seems that there's a whole bunch of things that have been bundled together. We, we mentioned the Celtic Samhain festival, which was to protect the crops from the ghosts and the goblins. And then the Romans had their Day of the Dead. They called it Feralia. Same time. It's a, you know, it's a, everything everything seems to be around November first. It was just this weird. Okay, um, the Mexican Day of the Dead is not really in this constellation. It's an ancient Aztec practice, but it kind of gets lumped in there too. And uh, and then of course the Christianized uh, All Saints and All Souls Day, uh, which I think is in some measure of uh, the church's attempt to address this, maybe bring it in line, maybe give people something to do while their neighbors are doing other things. I don't know how you look at it. Um, by the time that that these things are brought over to America, uh, they've really the the old paganisms are dead, and so so it it really is just basically um, All Saints All Souls Day, and um, you don't really see much going on in colonial America because they 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 just frowned on celebrations. Period. They didn't even celebrate Christmas, so so you're not going to see Halloween being celebrated at all. But it, apparently, uh, with the Irish immigrants, um, it started coming back. Uh, and you know, I think kind of with reference to their Celtic past, and uh, and so Halloween became kind of a. Um, Kind of a, a dress-up party community kind of thing. So bonfires mm -hmm. and uh, do you know where the bobbing for apples comes from? Uh, no, maybe the the well, yeah, and you would know this from where you used to live. See, the Roman goddess Pomona, who's ah. the goddess of fruits and nuts, uh, she's on the California seal, I think. I think they took the cross off, but they, they <laughs> kept the goddess Pomona on there. But uh, the 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 her part of the celebration of her her feast day, as it were, uh, 
was to Bob for apples. She's the she's the goddess of fruits and nuts. Uh, very appropriate for the California seal, I might add. Um, but so yeah, it's this constellation of all kinds of religious practices, pagan practices, uh, dealing at some level with the supernatural world and especially pertaining to the dead and ghosts. Um, I think we should say a thing or two about ghosts, don't okay, you think? Okay, let's do that. Um, because I think ghosts are very misleading. Uh, the scripture says it's uh, appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. Um, there's no notion in the scriptures of you know disembodied spirits going around wreaking mischief like in the movie Beetlejuice. Um, so probably the best and safest thing to say would be that they're not really ghosts, but they're more part of the demonic realm, uh, basically fabricating a lie. I, I don't know when when Saul uh, conducted a seance with the witch at Endor to conjure the spirit of the prophet Samuel. It's not clear in the scripture whether they actually succeeded in doing that or not. You know, in other words, they did conjure something. But uh, whether that was the actual spirit of Samuel or whether it was something demonic um, impersonating Samuel is not entirely clear. Um, what is clear is that that sort of activity is strictly, strictly out of bounds and forbidden in both Old and New Testament. Um, we just are not given to, to play in that realm, and we should treat that realm with the utmost fear and respect. It's very dangerous. It is, you know, it's it's like a danger that you don't have anything to defend yourself except the word of God and prayer. See, and 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 that was Luther's great confidence in his world, where the devils all the world did fill, is one little word can fell that entire realm. Now, you know. People wonder, what's the word? Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> and and apparently, from what I've heard, the word is liar. It's not Christ. It would be really cool if it had been Christ, but I guess the, I guess Luther himself somewhere in a table talk says that the word is liar, uh, namely calling the devil what he is. Mm. Um, but one can only say that with confidence as one stands firm in the faith. Uh, and that is hiding behind Christ, who conquers the devil by his death. So we gotta we we gotta keep things in perspective here. Yeah. This is not our realm to play in. Having said that, I don't think that a lot of the cultural stuff that goes on in the name of Halloween has anything to do with that. It, it's 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 childlike fun and dressing up and mm. uh, you know. And, extorting and, candy from the neighbors and it really is mocking the devil there's a certain sense of of mockery there i i think i think to have fun in the darkness is is an oddly christian thing to do <laughs> <laughs> you know i was in uh, israel some years back and uh, i was there around the time of purim and the uh, that's a fun holiday yeah i mean the kids there they handle it exactly like we do for halloween the kids you get to up bang on pots and drown out the name of of Haman. yeah they, so, they, they yeah. write the name on the bottoms of their shoes and things like that <laughs> but, but i do remember that they all dressed up in costumes and masks and they, they did this, the same trick-or-treating type thing i well, don't think it's a trick-or-treat but 
what's what's the other great what's the other great uh, sort of unreligious uh thing that involves a lot of costumery and partying as Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday mm. the day before the Lenten fast begins and so you know or you go to like Venice and all these Venetian masks I got one of them hanging on my wall here uh <laughs> well but, you know you it's, it's like every to... culture has an excuse for a party right oh yeah mm-hmm. well we have the Vale Prophet Ball up here but you know I used to live in uh, Mobile Alabama and uh, they're very proud of the fact that Mardi Gras actually started there, not in New Orleans. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because uh, Mobile used to be the capital of French Louisiana. And, oh, and uh, okay. they started doing it before the, uh, before the uh, uh, Louisiana folk did. And I got to tell you, I've been down there for that celebration. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, the station I work at down there, you know, normally in, in most stations, and especially down there, you, it, drinking on the job is a firing offense. Except that day. Except that day when we're actually expected to oh my goodness. have a yeah, little don't... fun. <laughs> That's probably a day you don't want to take a cab. Yeah. Um, actually, it's you know it's actually it's several days. Uh, it's several days. It's not just one day. It's several but days. But you know, even there, it 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 only exists in light of something else. That is, if if Lent wasn't beginning, and if at some level somebody didn't take Lent seriously, then this is just an arbitrary party, which it kind of is for the most part. But when you look back on it, it kind of made sense because you were standing on the threshold of a very long fasting mm -hmm. period of uh, great uh, somberness and repentance. And so now you have one of those days, you got even more to repent of uh, <laughs> the day after. Well, have you ever heard the expression raising cane? Yes. Well, did you know that is a Mardi Gras expression? I didn't know that. Oh, since you asked, I will tell you. Right. <laughs> this happened uh, during in, uh, in Mobile. Uh, during the Civil War, you know, Mardi Gras was suspended because of the war. And immediately after the war, well, you know, the, the South had lost. Mobile was under Union occupation. Everybody was unhappy. And a returned Confederate veteran by the name of Joe Kane when the traditional day came around, decided enough gloom and doom, let's get on with life. So he got blind drunk, dressed himself as an Indian, went downtown and shot out the windows in City Hall to announce the beginning of Mardi Gras. Nice. Now, to this day, Mardi Gras is kicked off by going down to the cemetery where he is buried and dancing on his grave to raise Cain to celebrate the start of, of Mardi Gras. <laughs> you learned something today. I I did. I, um, I'm looking at a uh, the historical website on on these kinds of holidays, and apparently Halloween, according to this this site, um, it experienced a great revival in the mid 20th century. So it's uh, on it's for us culturally, it's a relatively new thing, um, and so trick or treating was uh, kind of a relatively sort of inexpensive participatory way of getting the whole community involved. And so it's, but it's, it's really a, a mid 20th century holiday that's kind of taken off. Uh, apparently today, Americans spend uh, somewhere in the order of $6 billion on Halloween. I believe it. Second only to Christmas. Uh, if I may make a futuristic prediction, I, I predict that actually Halloween will one day soon eclipse Christmas. 
Because mm. I, I, I think that that, yeah, that Halloween, I see the trajectory just in, in terms of how the season has shifted. Remember, yeah, you, we remember the time when like the holiday season didn't begin until Thanksgiving. Well, actually, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, always I, remember, do. I always remember Halloween, and no, I'm older than you. Halloween was just kind of, for me, at least my experience of it, Halloween was just kind of a little little blip. But things really didn't get rolling until Thanksgiving, and, of course, the Friday immediately following Thanksgiving. But now the, the weeks leading up to Halloween, like October 1st, uh, the, the whole, you know, it's become a trifecta. So you have Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Mm-hmm. And and these are these are now a trio uh, in the culture, and so it extends sort of the shopping frenzy for another month, of course, which the uh, the you know the stores really like because now they can hawk other things oh, yeah. in October. <laughs> so you have October has Halloween, November has Thanksgiving, and December has Christmas. This is this is just jackpot. Uh, but I I really wonder as Christmas becomes more and more of a religious trigger. In our society, and I, I, I use that the word intentionally. That uh, you know, you can barely even mention anything of Christmas in some circles. Um, Halloween was going to become the acceptable, uh, the acceptable least common denominator holiday that we can all buy into, and we'll probably, which which isn't bad. You know, some Christians will kind of wring their hands over it, but I want it back. I want the feast day back. So, so if cultural Christmas dies, I'm not grieving here. Okay, maybe more people will come to church. <laughs> there hurts that thought. <laughs> Gee. Okay, Bill. <laughs> think about it. Okay, uh, I am. I am. Hey, let's. We should think about you know because I have a podcast on movies. We should think about Halloween movies. Oh. Have you seen any ha- Halloween movies? Oh yeah. There's the, there's the whole Halloween franchise, right? Oh yeah, the, the, that I was think the movie that gave uh, what's that actress's name? Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis that gave her her start. Absolutely, 1978 Halloween. Oh yeah, you know. So and and then and then there's there's uh, let's see, Scream. Mm-hmm. You seen Scream? Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I loved it. I love that movie. <laughs> Friday got- the Thirteenth. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Friday the 13th. You know, there was even a Friday the 13th series. I used to watch that. And then there was Freddy's Dreams. That was another uh, TV series. Oh, yeah. Series. Yeah, the Freddy, the, the Freddy franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was and, very good, actually. Then, pretty well written. But You know, have you seen the uh, the Charlie Brown? You know, the, the Charlie Brown has a Halloween uh, thing as well as a best known for the Christmas uh, you know, the, with Linus waiting for the, the great Charles pumpkin. Schultz, uh, the yeah, the Christmas thing. But but there's a Halloween. that's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, mm-hmm. which is kind of clever. I, I I've used that sometimes in an eschatological sense. You know, where Linus is sitting in faith in the pumpkin patch, awaiting the the coming of the Great Pumpkin, and everybody's laughing at him uh, because you know he he firmly believes that the the Great Pumpkin is gonna gonna appear and. And Charles Schultz was very clever at at kind of uh, weaving in Christian themes into oh, his yeah. into, into his characters and his things. But but you know the the, the eschatological coming of the Great Pumpkin. <laughs> well, Schultz <laughs> actually did uh, Schultz actually did a book on uh, I remember reading it called uh, Young Pillars, which was a series of cartoons on young on young people in the church. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Well, I think he was, pres- he was Presbyterian, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Not sure what his faith was, but I know he was a believer. Yes. Yeah. The, um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking over your original question, you know, again, and, and, and I, I think we live in a very, very, um, I think, interesting and complex age where, um, I don't think there are really simple answers anymore, like Halloween is bad, Halloween is great. Uh, I, I find myself increasingly just giving these kind of yes, but answers or no, but, you know, in other words, there's on the one hand and the other hand. And, and I, I think that's kind of the way things are going to be for us for the foreseeable future is is that it's a great opportunity for us as Christians to uh, not only in freedom have some fun with the rest of our community and knock on doors and everything. But I think it's also, it could be a great opportunity to talk about this whole business of the spiritual realm of death and death and resurrection and uh, the reality of the devil and, mm-hmm. and you know, what the nature of evil is. This, and that's not, really, of, you know, uh, that's not really a one hand and the other hand issue. I and mean, there's there's a point where you have to say this is. I remember uh, watching uh, Fiddler on the Roof, mm-hmm. and remember Tovia always had this problem when his, when his daughters were married, and he had this <laughs> argument to himself on this hand, on that hand, on this hand, on that, and then his one daughter comes home with a Christian, and he <laughs> yeah, starts right. arguing a, about. The, was that the third one? That was, yeah, that, that was, was the, the third youngest. one. Yeah. And he goes, "Well, on this hand, on the no, there is no other hand." <laughs> And you know, it, well, and he's he's right. There is a point where there is no other hand. No, no, and, and not when it comes to to the devil, the the uh, the world, and our flesh. I, I'm not suggesting that, but I am saying that that uh, things are not necessarily purely innocent, nor are they purely evil when it comes to stuff like this. We could have the same conversation about uh, cultural Christmas. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Hmm. You know, remember the, the reason hand, for Christmas. On the one hand, it's, you know, it's a good thing. Okay, families get together and try not to fight, and, and you know, and they give each other <laughs> gifts. It's wonderful. Uh, on the other hand, you know, does it really, does it really, um, does it really accentuate the 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 central core of what Christmas is—the incarnation of the Son of God to redeem the world? Uh, hardly. And and so I th- I think there's a rich conversation in that. I, I think whenever uh, people as a community get together to celebrate something that ought to be occasion for conversation, not just for drinking or blasting off fireworks or, uh, you know, dressing up in con- uh, costumes. I, I, I think the, the catechism question really does spark the conversation. What does this mean? And we sometimes, oftentimes, most times, don't really examine it. No, we don't. We don't, you know, it, it, the answer to what does this mean is, I don't know. <laughs> and, and As I, I say at the beginning it. of the program, you know, there's a lot I don't understand. <laughs> I'll carry it even further. There's most things I don't understand. I believe, but boy, I am so confused. Now, we have an interesting setup here in, in Hacienda Heights where I live because we are culturally very diverse. And and it's interesting to watch the immigrant uh, families and how they connect with things because they adopt things because they they see it as as kind of blending into American culture. 
One of my favorite illustrations of that is is that they they see people like hang lights on their house, so they go to Lowe's and get some lights too and hang them on their house. They tend not to take them down, mm-hmm. and so you, you'll see them lit up in like middle of July, you know. So it's just. Oh, I remember that from Palm Springs. There, yeah, it's a lot of lights. But uh, but Halloween is one of those things where where you know. I think one of the reasons we have such a low participation, we have very low turnout when it comes to trick-or-treating uh, in our neighborhood. And I think one reason is that it's, it, we really don't have, it's not a community holiday for us because a lot of our residents here don't really get it and aren't terribly interested. Mm. Well, it's pretty I, much true. Like where I live, uh, the people are either uh, older, like me, or we've, we've got actually got a, a, a fairly heavy Jewish population there. And these are very conservative Hasidic Jews. And I don't think they, they've got a lot of kids, but I don't think that they celebrate uh, trick-or-treating. But they could because, you know, th- there's nothing like un-Jewish about it, right? I don't know. I really don't. Know. I can't. I can't imagine unless the can unless the candy's not kosher or something. I can't imagine there'd be a, like a problem with it. Uh, it's just uh, that may be one of we don't do uh, celebrations other than the the religious celebration. It could be. As I say, it's a very conservative Jewish group, and that would have been reflective of like colonial America, where they just well they didn't even do religious celebrations. Oh yeah, well, Christmas was even outlawed in Boston for a while. Yeah, I mean, it, it took Lutherans to drag a Christmas tree into a church, and that made headline news in Cleveland. So, you know, it's not <laughs> like uh, we take it for granted, but but uh, it wasn't that long ago in this country that the, the influence of re- Reformed Puritanism and, and Calvinism and that really held sway. And, and these, these, uh, these celebrations were just not part of, of what Christians did. They just They just went about their daily life and devotion. So, I don't know what um, what level of participation do you do in your household for for Halloween? Halloween. Uh, you, you mentioned a few things. You're getting like your dad, and you're decorating yeah. things, and yeah. Uh, now you know, as I, you know, my wife and I are older, so we uh, generally just put a couple of pumpkins out. We don't really dress up that much, although. Uh, she did at one time. I remember about four or five years ago when her uh, her grandkids came by. I mean, she would. My wife would dress up as a witch. <laughs> and, and advice. She's the, not the wicked. She's not the wicked one that you're referring to. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. She, oh. She's Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> so it shouldn't I'm touch that mildly, one. <laughs> I'm only mildly relieved. <laughs> but yeah. But uh, no, she uh, she enjoys she enjoys very much interacting with her with her grandchildren. So it was really kind of it was it was it was a game for the children. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not so sure how much it is now. I mean, the oldest uh, the girl is just twelve, thirteen years old, and the boy's about eight. So I don't know if they're still into it. I wonder out loud whether whether um, there's any downside to um, making the only like fun thing that at least reaches into the spiritual realm for children. Halloween. Hmm. It, it, this is this is one of those. Yeah, that it was a question designed to make you go. Hmm. Um, and now Christmas is fun, but but um, I think it takes a little effort on the part of parents 
to uh, keep Christ at the center of Christmas, especially yeah. family Christmas. I know that was the case in the household I grew up. Mine too. My mother uh, was a very staunch Lutheran, and uh, I remember one of our traditions uh, during uh, the Advent season. We had to, we always had an Advent calendar, and there yeah, was always, we did too. Yeah, and there was a big thing where my you know we'd have to open the little windows, and there'd be a big sort of a little uh, ceremony here where my mother would open each one each day. <laughs> I just, as a kid, I just viewed that as a, a 24 countdown to Christmas. <laughs> I really didn't see. And, and the Advent calendars that we got were from Germany. They're very nice. You know, Germans are really into cultural Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, they they could probably outdo the English for that. Well, I'm um, sure they could. But there was nothing There was nothing remotely Christian about that Advent calendar. It was just a countdown to Christmas. Now, the one that uh, my mother had, it was always a religious one. And, of course, we always had a uh, nativity scene in the creche. Yeah, we we had that, and you know, th there's there's a there's a, and we kind of ranged off of Halloween, but it is part of the trifecta, isn't it? Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, but the the crash thing that that's a real universal thing. I, I have a uh, an in law that collects them, so we're always looking for unusual ones from like Africa or uh -huh. from South America, but that 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 has a lot of universal appeal as as just a, a a symbol of of christmas and that's a good one because in a, in a sense the this little decoration proclaims the christmas gospel oh yeah visually oh yeah and as i say you know my mother uh my mother was very very intent in, uh, in intent in that we do not divorce the christian message from from christmas so here's here's the here's the take-home challenge for this show today what is the gospel of Halloween. Uh, <laughs> the gospel of Halloween is victory. And I, think that, I would say it's the victory over, over death, the victory exactly, over Satan. Exactly. That it, it's it's Christ's great be gone Satan. Yeah. It's 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 uh you know, the one little word can fell him. It's you know, it's the, you know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. You know, that 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 uh, these forces, this darkness that so frightened our ancestors and, and caused them to engage in all sorts of things. Um, these these have been conquered by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that Christ in his death and resurrection has brought light and life and so we can not only mock but shake our fists and thumb our noses at uh, at, at th these things that threaten us because they are no threat. Well, you know what is a threat? We're out of time. That's always a threat. <laughs> okay. Great to be on the porch with you. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. Let's do this again. <laughs> You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.